Well, we finally meet, Governor, if that is your real name. Well, no, it's actually Philip. Philip, huh? Well, that's a funny way to pronounce psycho-rapist Cyclops. Uh, Rick, calm down. You're a former officer of the peace, and that's just what we're here to do, make peace. Now sit down, right there. Okay, fine. Really? I arrived God only knows how soon before you did. I could rig that chair to explode. Well, joke's on you, mister. My chair did not explode. Well, there you go. I'm not such a bad guy after all. Now, let's do something about these guns we're both packing. I'm going to take off my gun belt, and I want you to put yours away. Well, since he went first, I'll holster mine. There, you happy? Surprise, asshole! I duct tape a gun to the side of my table. Oh, shit! You got me! Damn, you're good. Rick, I got here before you. You didn't sweep the room. Who knows what I could be hiding in here? Hell, I could snap my fingers right now and an army of goons would come out of that closet and take you away. That closet? Look, just shut up. I'm kidding. See, I'm putting my gun away. Well, that is good, Philip, because I was getting nervous. How about a drink? I brought whiskey. I'm kind of jumpy. I could use that drink. Okay, I'm getting up. I'm going to this other room. Okay. You know, I could be getting a gun or a knife, hiding all manner of weapons on my person. You can't see me or tell what I'm doing. Are you pouring me a drink? That's right. That's right. And now I'm coming back. Look, I could have put poison in your whiskey, but I'm pouring it right here in front of you since I'm such a nice guy. Well, I hope this whiskey is half as nice as you're turning out to be. Jesus, Rick, you are a piece of work. Salute! Now, you drink first. Bottoms up! I poisoned the whiskey. God damn it! Just kidding, just oh, kidding. thank God. But I did poison the glass. God damn it! Just kidding. Oh, God. I don't mind telling you, but this is turning out to be an emotional roller coaster for me. Well then, now that we have a measure of each other, let's get down to business. I've got a bigger town, more people, and better weapons. And I'm just infinitely more cunning than you, so I'm going to wipe you out, unless... You want the prison? (laughs) I don't want your shithole prison. You want Merle. Rick, Rick, I need you to give me Michonne. But Michonne, but we just did like 40 minutes of character development with her. Oh, is that a fact? Well, slaughter it is then. No, wait, wait, fine. You can have Michonne. And Carol, I think. Andrea said her name was. Oh, God, her? I'll pay you to take that one off our hands. And I'm going to need Maggie, too. Now, wait, hold on now just a minute. Glenn would not like that at all. Oh, you prefer annihilation. No, wait, wait. I, I tell you what. God, Carl Jr.'s never going to forgive me, but we got this sweet little piece of ass goes by the name of Beth. Now, she's only 17. Uh, I could work with that. And I think I can see my way to parting with her. All right, you got yourself a deal. Well, all right then. That was easy. Now then, about Maggie. Two hours later. So, you're giving me all the women. After I beat Glenn to death in front of Maggie, all your guns. Set my pet python, Petunia. Of course, of course. All your vehicles, all your ammo, except for one bullet you want to keep in your left breast pocket? Hmm. All your non-pet-related foods, Daryl's head. On a pike. Yep, yep, on a pike. Let's see. Oh, oh, Glenn Mazera fired. Immediately. All right, your daughter Judith to raise as my own. Your son Carl's unconditional love. Merle's other arm. And both legs. Yeah, Herschel's beard. Some guy named Morgan. 
two walkie-talkies. Let's see. What else? Oh, yeah. You're going to place my nuts in your mouth for a period of no more than 60 seconds. All right. In our town square, in front of the entire Woodbury Assembly. Then you take what's left of Merle and Herschel, and you get the hell out of Georgia, never to return. That seems more than fair. Now, of course, I'll have to discuss these terms with my people. You do that, Rick. Let's meet back here in two days. And just to be clear, I'm going to double-cross and kill every one of you that shows back up. Then I'm going to sack the prison. Okay, back here. Two days. Got it. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. We're part of the Bald Move Network. You can find everything we do at baldmove.com. This week we're covering Walking Dead Season 3, Episode 13, titled Arrow on the Doorpost. Any idea what that means, Aaron? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, because neither do I. Uh, I tried to look it up, and I couldn't find any like pop culture references to it, so... Maybe they just made it. I had up. someone on Facebook mention that it could be a reference to Norman Reedus's intro graphic on the title sequence, but oh. you know, I don't know. He's really the only one who uses arrows, right? I'm show. guessing like it's like Except a part for shitty bow girl, but she's dead. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I'm guessing uh, it's some reference to like a warning shot. Yeah, yeah. This is uh, this should be a warning to Rick. God, I would hope so. Yeah, you'd think. We have lots <laughs> to talk about on that. Definitely. Uh, do we have anything to do up front before we do the recap? We have some stuff to do up front. First thing is I want to remind people they have one more week, one final week to enter into the Bald Move Kindle Fire giveaway. Uh, go to baldmove.com slash contest for more information on that. And also, we, during the offseason, uh, commissioned one of our uh, friends. It's an artist, a comic book artist, uh, J-Hat. Yeah. Uh, to do a awesome design based on, uh, I had this concept of uh, crouching badass or crouching redneck hidden badass based on <laughs> yeah. last uh, uh, the the season 3.0's. Um, I forget what it was. It's like something with uh, something with yeah. Well, Daryl was Daryl was crouching behind a dude with a knife with his and, and doing yeah. this weird kind of redneck monkey stance. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, hidden badass is Rick, and he knocked it out of the fucking park. Yeah, and we've turned it into a t-shirt that you can buy uh at baldmove.spreadshirt.com i think it's the final price ended up being 16 dollars plus shipping yeah and yeah. it's i've got uh, i ordered a proof uh, i got it on the kind of natural or um i guess khaki colored shirt oh yeah looks you great love that color i do it looks great it feels great uh, it looks like you drew it on your chest with a damn sharpie i would get it on white so it really looked like that. really yeah um but anyway uh check it out baldmove.spreadshirt.com we also have the eye crossbow norman Reedus shirts uh, Norman Reedus. I cross with <laughs> yeah. Daryl Dixon t-shirts. Yep. Uh, they're in ladies uh, sizes as well. Uh, please check it out, and if you like it, buy it. Buy one for your know friends. we know the ladies crossbow Daryl Dixon. Oh, yeah. For sure. And probably a lot of dudes, too. Pro- pro- well, Martinez <laughs> does. We know that for Heck sure. Yeah. Oh, my God. Let's let's <laughs> get right, let's right into... Get, yeah. Let's, I'm, I'm dying to know, what is your rating for this episode? Oh, man. See, this is a tough one because... Yes, it is. I feel like it could have been really, really good. 
uh, but I feel like they kind of fumbled it. So I'm going to give this a six. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit higher. I'm going to give okay. it a seven, but yeah. I see what you're saying. And also, I'm burning with curiosity because this is supposedly the first episode that got a lot of reshoots and a lot of retooling. Oh, boy. What do you think Mazera's original vision could have been? <laughs> I, I, it had to be better than this, is my guess. Better? Yeah. Why yeah. would they fuck it up then? Because... I don't know. It's AMC. They do what they want. Yeah? Yeah. Like, they kind of should have trusted Darabont a little bit and gone with his vision some more. I mean, uh. yeah, they saw they saw the beginning of season two, I guess, and said, uh, fuck this guy. We're out. Yeah, I, I can't support Darabont after the first half of season two. But, you, and, but and how is he going to wrap the, it up? Also, the final two episodes, or even kind of three episodes of season one, were a little bit of a stumble, in my opinion. Uh, I like the CDC stuff. Tell it to the frogs. <laughs> okay, fuck tell it to the frogs. <laughs> that was the worst episode ever. Oh, God. Uh, okay, well, One of my favorite get... recaps ever, though. If you want to go back to our archives and check it out. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, I don't know. How do you think he could have done it better? This episode? Well, like, what, what was his vision? <laughs> I don't know. I You're was asking me these speculative questions. <laughs> I have no freaking clue. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to stick my neck out. <laughs> All right, fine. I just Fine, wonder, like, if, if they punched up the pacing somehow. Uh, uh, yeah, it seems like season three has had this solid, consistent pace, right? Mm-hmm. They kind of slowed it down last episode for Clear uh, to go explore Morgan uh, and Rick and Carl and Michonne a little bit. And then they kept it kind of slow here. See, I almost wondered if it was like a bottle-type episode where it's just Rick and the governor and it's real psychological, and then they ba- went back and... Uh, maybe inserted the scenes between Martinez and Daryl and mm-hmm. Herschel and Poindexter and Andrea and the zombie sequence. Yeah, see, that's that's where I felt it was the weakest is when they when they kind of split up the sections. Like you wanted to see how this all played out between Rick. Like if you think back to Box Cutter and Breaking mm-hmm. Bad, mm-hmm. and I won't say anything about what happens in it, but just the intensity of that scene, even without words. Sure. The intensity of that scene as a whole, just left as it is to play out in front of you, is what I kind of wanted to see here. Right. And they kind of ruined it by just chopping it up into pieces. We have a listener who really agrees with me on that. When when we, if, yeah, as we alluded to in the beginning as well, our our lengthy skit, and thank you for bearing with us on that, (laughs) uh, we had a blast doing it. Yeah. Um, I feel like that there is a lot of these Chekhov guns moments yeah. that never paid off. Well, they were supposed to be building tension with the literal Chekhov's gun, right? The the gun that we expected to be but Chekhov's not just gun. That, but like the governor controlled every freaking aspect of the meeting. Like he was mm-hmm. he's literally giving Rick orders like a schoolboy, you know, sit yeah. down, do this, drink, drink this that. Whiskey. And Rick was just compl- you know, complying and uh, letting himself be emotionally manipulated. Hey, Ron, physically I, w- I would manipulated. like you to stop talking and rub your belly and pat your head. Well, right okay, now. if that's what it takes to the, the, the host <laughs> a podcast, but <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I agree with you completely. It's just like why was Rick putting himself in this situation when he has no power here and he should know that? Well, I don't know that that's true because if, if I'm being charitable, I think that the governor is afraid of the prisoners. Let's just say team prison. Yes, because but he knows, does like, Rick know that? I think he suspects it, or else why would he be having this meeting? Why would he agree to this meeting? Okay, my entire point here is Rick has the prison. That is literally the only thing keeping him from the numbers and weapons 
that the governor has, right? Well, but if he didn't have the prison, he'd probably already have left by now. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So he leaves the prison yeah. to come meet with the guy who oh. has all the people and weapons. Yeah, yeah. Who could just lure him out and then kill him. Right. That was his plan running the zombie truck in there in the first place. Right, yeah. It, se- it seems awfully foolhardy. And so then from that perspective, why did the governor not just roll in there and do a National Guard on him? Exactly. I mean, I feel like that he could have it's killed Rick, killed Rick with the duct tape gun, yeah. and just tell Martinez that, hey, as soon as you hear the gun, you know, keep your keep your gun handy, yeah, and do these guys in, and yeah. bang bang, Daryl shoot Daryl first, then Herschel, and you know, well, I'm gonna give me a half hour in here to get everybody relaxed because they did, they I fucking know. did. I know they were sitting outside talking about their diaries. For 40 minutes. Yep. So anyway, enough yeah. of the uh, rundown, because there's right. a lot of stuff I liked in this episode. In That's fact, true, yeah. there's some kind of almost poetic or very insightful things about our current, like, you know, zombie genre at best is when it's a, a way to satirize or critique existing culture. And I thought Definitely. that there is some interesting uh, insights into our political uh, you know our our, our our politics in this country and uh, mm. our our culture that I'm going to point out along the way. And despite the stuff that uh, we've been saying about Rick and the governor, there are some interesting insights into their characters as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll get to those. Start off with the first scene: Daryl, Herschel, and Rick are scoping out the farm. The governor is inside, ready for the meeting. Uh, my first thought here was, "Uh oh, we're back on the farm." <laughs> Farms and this show are not compatible. <laughs> I thought it looked very um, Team Fortress 2. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. You're going into the red side. <laughs> sure. <laughs> a lot of silos. Um, I want to first of all say that I can't say enough good things about the si- sound design on this scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, they It was spooky. It was creepy. You had the sense of like almost claustrophobia as they're w- making their way through the weeds and the, the buildings. Mm-hmm. Um, I really And noticed- also, there's all these, again, one of these uh, Chekhov's guns. Herschel, you know, storing a gun on a stump make me think that Rick had some sort of ace up his sleeve, that he's going to yeah. have all these, like, you know, uh, hidden advantages, and it never paid off. Well, that one has to come back, right? Otherwise, there's no point in showing that. Uh, well, what was the point of showing the duct-taped gun to the table if it didn't So you're saying off? that that was also just a maneuver to make tension in this, I, in this I don't, episode? I, I have no idea. Like, but, when is Herschel going to pull the gun and mow Milton down? <laughs> I mean, I guess it could happen in an episode or two from now. But That's what I'm thinking. Uh, you know, I don't know. Why would the gun... So is the governor going to leave the gun there for two or three days? <laughs> no, because Rick's not coming back. If Rick comes back, he's a lunatic. He kind of is, though. I mean, like I said, I went through, speaking of roller coaster of emotions, I was all over the place. We're like, okay, yeah, this is this is going to play out exactly how I thought it was. Or, oh, no, this is going to surprise me and be even better. And then, like, no, seriously, fuck, Rick, you're entertaining the idea that this guy is up front? Yeah. You're even debating giving him a show? What the fuck? Crazy. Anyway. Uh, in between commercial breaks, I got to say, um, plug our Mad Men upcoming episode. They're doing the teasers. Yes, and did you see our first sighting of 70s hair rocked by Pete? Pete with 70s hair? Oh, yeah. Oh, shit, I missed that. 70s hair, it's like straight out of Frost v. Nixon, man. <laughs> awesome. Only with more of a receding hairline. See, I figured it would be Megan. His rapier 70s hair. and more receding. All right. All right. Than Frost, <laughs> Frost v. Nixon. <laughs> Or Frost slash Nixon, whatever it is. All right. Uh, Rick and the governor sit down and talk. 
just in time for Andrea to show up. And we find out that she's the one who set up this meeting because she wants them to end this feud. Tear down this wall. Uh-huh. So we found out a bunch of things yeah. that should have set Rick's uh, alarm bells off. The governor came here early. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the this is like a high watermark for bad accent for Rick. I mean, it's just, oh, you want to talk? Talk! I mean, it's <laughs> hilarious when he's got this Christian Bale, Southern Fried Batman voice going on. Yeah. I wish I could have put a little bit more of that in the, my uh, pre-show skit, but I just didn't have it in me. Sure. Um, then again, we saw the duct tape gun to the table. Yep. Um, I thought it was funny how <laughs> Daryl's like little head, you know, he's like watching yeah, he's the, in the beginning window. of the meeting. He's like, Whoop. Yeah. Uh, so cool. it's like, makes me wonder why Rick didn't fucking kill the governor. Yeah, yeah, you've got to wonder if the, he knows that the governor's coming after him, and he's judged that by That would have been right? interesting, too, when Rick pulls and puts his gun right in his face, if he had shot and told, you know, Daryl to basically do everything in reverse. Like, as soon as, as soon as you hear the gunshot, you kill Martinez, well, or Martinez. Well, Rick didn't know anything that was going on outside. Rick got in there before it was... More to my point. Before I mean, the, they the governor could have run up, he went in there... With the fucking yeah. governor, the governor could have rolled up with a fucking bus. No, definitely. The governor had the upper hand here. Yeah. He could have easily used it. All he should have. Long. I mean, I don't know. We'll talk about it later. Uh, important thing here, Andrea finds out that something happened to Maggie. Yes. So this is moving the plot along. Um, and the governor not too artful, you know, about yeah. the way he dodged that. It's like, well, I know everything to. about you, you know everything about me. Mm-hmm. So... Um, then we go back outside, and Martinez and Milton are chatting with Herschel and Daryl. Um, and Daryl's trigger finger is getting a little itchy when he's sizing up Martinez. I think it was sizing up. I think it was all sexual tension, man. <laughs> you think so? Well, it was all coming it, from Martinez. It was very... Daryl was just badass in pose, and Martinez was like, whoa, melted butter here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's very Iceman versus Maverick. <laughs> Yeah, in the shower room. Just needed a couple flat tops, and we were good. <laughs> yeah, if if, they, if, tight. if Herschel strung a vo- volleyball net up <laughs> <laughs> between the silos. Although a flat Excellent. top would be an improvement over Daryl's increasingly yeah. Ramona Flowers hair. <laughs> Ramona Flowers hair. Yeah, I forgot about Jesus. that. Jesus. Yeah, it's and it's greasy too. Real greasy. Oh. All these guys are getting greasy. Yeah, okay. Although I saw when they show the black and white previews. Uh huh. Rick looks totally different. Oh yeah, he does. Incredible. He's change. dropped a lot of weight. Yeah, and you know, guy, he's got the long Rick hair now. Yeah, and he's obviously way dirtier, yep. way more disgusting. And some people, he's not still wearing a sheriff's uniform, right? Someone uh, no. mentioned that he was, but I, that's he? not a dirty sheriff shirt. I think that's just like no. a brown shirt he's wearing. Used to be white. <laughs> uh, Merle tries to convince Glenn to go to the farm and kill the governor. Uh, we're back at the prison at this point, but uh, he says it's not the right move. And Merle doesn't like being told what to do. He kind of glares. At I thought it's funny that they're moving whole ammo boxes around. Mm-hmm. Like, man, if you're getting to the point where you're manually loading a clip from ammo in a box, you are in a fucking bad situation, my friend. Why? They're going to have the high ground. Yeah, but do you know how long it takes to... I'm just saying that in a firefight, oh, half individually... it's not already loaded into the clip? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I guess it's better than nothing, but Jesus. Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, we go over... Also, I just want to say, yeah. Glenn and Maggie, surprisingly cool about Merle. Everyone surprisingly... Michonne's surprisingly cool about handing Merle the guns. Yeah. Too cool? Or appropriately <laughs> cool? 
Uh, I believe I, I actually watched uh, Talking Dead uh-huh, afterward, uh-huh. and there was some good stuff. Lauren Cohan was on it, and you we'll gonna, talk about that later. Okay, I was going to say because you mentioned that on Twitter, and yeah. you haven't mentioned anything to me, you little tease. Oh, so uh, but Chris Hardwood called it a buffet of weapons, which I thought was pretty funny. A weapons buffet, yeah. And Myrtle's just there digging in, <laughs> and everybody's watching. Um, Merle tries no Merle doesn't do anything in this scene because we go back over to the farm and Rick presents the governor with his terms which is basically a ceasefire and some boundaries to set up uh, the governor says he wants surrender not peace they dismiss Andrea from the conversation which two like things like a chump first of all yeah Andrea just takes it yeah uh, secondly Again, this seems like he Rick gave up an advantage. Andrea is the only impartial person that's conceivably an ally in this room, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Yeah, fuck you, get out." This is between us. And Rick hasn't picked up on the fact that Andrea doesn't know a lot about this governor guy. I guess because if he had, keeping her in the room is the best thing he could do. Well, and the other thing is he let, you know, it's like he just does a lot of stupid things. For example, the governor's sitting there, his his hand obviously goes to underneath the table. Yeah. You know, that's a, that would be a classic hands back on the table, yep. you know, kind of moment. I don't care if you're jacking off him. or reaching for a gun. I don't want none of that. Yep. They do it in the school houses. You got to do it uh, in the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> right. Um, where are we? The governor blames Merle uh, for everything. Uh, that happened with Maggie. Yeah, you and tell a heap big lies. All of it. Um, but Rick calls him on his bullshit. <laughs> you're basically. Not the, you're not the governor. You're the town drunk to run through my petunias. Uh, Gave me a yard job. When he does call him on it, the governor tries to play the illegitimate child card. Which, Jesus, Ooh, Andrew, you tell, I mean. Right. All the dirty law. I guess she didn't know that they'd meet back up, and it's a fucking good story, so why not? Yeah, um, there were some interesting lines here. First of all, the whiskey seemed to get Rick's attention like, <laughs> yeah. right away. This is a man who's not seen whiskey in a year. At oh least. yeah, so uh, I can understand. I can understand you. I would Rick. think that's the other thing. You would think the booze would be relatively easy to come by a year after ninety percent of the human population left. You would think so. And I mean, and shit. What I got every, every who in their house right now doesn't have a, a couple fifths of something. Unless you're right. a teetotaler, you got everyone's got alcohol. Yeah. That's one of the first things I did when I first moved out of my parents' house and got a real job is I started fucking stockpiling booze. <laughs> yeah, everyone does. Yeah. Uh, and then if you hit a liquor store, you can't take all the liquor. Mm-mm. So you know there's got to be some stashed yeah. around. Every bar in town has been drained dry. Right. Has Herschel been through? <laughs> I mean, what, what's going on here? Hurricane Herschel blew through. <laughs> collected a few DUIs. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I like the line where he, the, the governor's telling Rick, um, he's talking about his kid, and he's saying that uh, restitu- it's restitution for failing to see the devil beside you. Which, and I think he's very much talking about himself here as well oh with Andrea. I don't know that he's actually failing to see her uh, and what she's doing, because he lies to her at the end of this episode. Oh, you think he's saying that she's the devil beside him? Yeah, yeah. Or he's saying that she doesn't see the devil beside her? No, I think he's talking about himself, but uh, that may not be true. I don't know. Yeah. Because I think I just contradicted myself with the end of it, the end of the episode. <laughs> I just thought it was a little too on the nose to have your most villainous yeah. character say, although I guess there is a long, that's a long, proud <laughs> tradition of villainous taunting of the hero. Definitely. 
Um, and of course, the governor once again says he doesn't want to be the governor. He didn't want to be the governor, which right. is bullshit. Right. No one believes that. And again, not to belabor the point of our skit, but I brought he brought whiskey. Then he gets up and like leaves his line of sight. Mm-hmm. And Rick is just like you know, look, he treats like. He's a used car salesman that left the room to talk to his boss. He just starts <laughs> yeah. glancing around the room, kind of drumming his fingers. I'm like, <laughs> your mortal enemy, who just disarmed you, or at least got you to holster your pistol, is walking off camera, and well, you could be getting anything. A giant fucking <laughs> Rambo knife, a flamethrower, a grenade. <laughs> a flamethrower. He could be coming out two pistols, hard-boiled style, John wooing it up, and Rick just doesn't care. I can imagine he comes out with a flamethrower in a fucking barn full of hay yeah. and just burns the thing to the ground He's with himself in it. crazy. Yeah, speaking of crazy, what the fuck is he wearing? Is he turning into Two-Face? What are you Did talking about? Did you see about? his jacket? No. First of all, what is his eye patch made out of? I don't know. Tires? Is that what it's made <laughs> I don't out know. of? Because it looks like fucking tires. Uh-huh. It's disgusting. It, it certainly infected his eye hole. Ugh. Uh, second thing, his jacket, it, he's literally two-faced. One side of it is smooth and leathery. The other side of it looks like it's made out of tires. I swear the guy is melting down tires for clothing. It is possible, I suppose. <laughs> we know they have a surplus of tires. Uh, someone, on. someone on Facebook, oh, God, I wish I had the comment uh, handy, but they said, um, it's good to see the... <laughs> <laughs> that Daryl broke out the dress Leonard Skinner or the former Leonard Skinner attire for this momentous occasion with the wings. Yeah, because he had, winged, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like noticeably dressed up for the meeting at the governor. Yeah, man. I uh, love pulling it. out all the stops. He's got to impress Martinez. Mm-hmm. Uh, we go back outside. Milton tells the group he's been keeping a diary, Polly Pocket. Uh, they're attacked by zombies. Daryl and Martinez have a badass off. Oh, is J- is Jason Shankle from Nattercast said it. <laughs> Oh, did he? <laughs> to give credit words to. Nice. Uh, Daryl Martinez have a badass off. Daryl wins, of course. The two bond over Martinez's loss of his wife and kids. Uh, and over a smoke. The, the interesting thing here, to me, was when uh, Polly Pocket pulls out his diary. <laughs> uh, he says, I've got dozens of interviews, and then he gets cut off. I wanted to know who those interviews were with. Mm. Are they with scientists, like, studying the thing? Are we going to see more of that? I think it's just interviews, like, amongst the town people. I mean, he's taking this, and I actually, that's a cool touch, and it's smart, um, that he's actually taking this as, like, uh, you know, he's a historian. Yeah. And he recorded their first battle. And that's kind of cool to think of it in that larger context. For sure. Um, We go back to Milton, who is now being a total creeper and perving on (laughs) Herschel's stump. (laughs) <laughs> what is with this scene, man? What is Merle's or Milton's intention here? Really? You don't know? Uh, he just wants to, like, he's curious to see, you know, he's trying to learn by trial and error. And it's like, you know, I would be, if I was I mean, kind of like a pseudo medic, and I would want to see, like, okay, how did they do the skin flap? How did it heal up? Where, how high up on the knee did he cut? Where was the bite? I, I mean, those, that's, he's going into his pseudoscientist mode. Yeah. Well, he could barely handle uh, the old dude dying and coming mm-hmm. back. I don't know how he's going to handle a stump, especially mm-hmm. a hastily uh, patched up stump. I don't know. Anyway, um, I did think it was interesting that they that Herschel says that they were learning by trial and error, and so does Milton. Uh, it's kind of how I picture the zombie apocalypse going. Right. Like, everybody who's 
kind of important and would know these things is gone, and we're flailing around trying to figure out how to survive. Right. Uh, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's like you're almost rediscovering human civilization pieces at a time, yeah. filling in your gaps. Uh, we go back inside, and the governor tells Rick that they're going to kill everyone they know, and then tells the backstory about his wife getting killed before the zombie apocalypse. Uh, I don't know. This this scene is good. I feel like there's a lot of character development for the governor here. Yeah. Even though we knew that his wife was gone, uh, we knew something happened to her. I assumed that it was part of the zombie takeover, uh, but apparently it's not. Yeah. I mean, it was just, just like an accident, car accident. Freak occurrence. Like, yeah. Yep. Uh, so and good I, stuff there. And, and thought... he's trying to play on Rick's obvious distress and it works because rick starts guzzling whiskey yeah which aside from the uh, potential poison uh is just a bad move to mm-hmm. you know start out drinking i noticed that his glass was always lower than the governor's oh was it yeah governor's sipping rick's gulping at and the end he flips it over i just thought this watching this reminded me very much of some of the house of card episodes and the governor was Kevin Spacey, and Rick mm-hmm. was some fucking rube that he was about to put on his puppet strings and dance around like a, marion- a marionette. Yeah. It's like the last episode. not of- a good look for Rick. <laughs> the last episode of House of Cards I saw was the one that takes place in Georgia. <laughs> so <laughs> that's pretty fitting. Yep. Uh, we go back to the prison, and Glenn cuts a hole in the fence to shoot through. He goes back inside to see Merle packing up all the guns, Tells Merle he can't leave, and the group stops him when he tries to go. Uh, some uh, ridiculous fighting here. I mean, it takes three people to stop Merle. Yeah, <laughs> the man. The one-armed Merle. Yeah, it's the Merle ultimatum. <laughs> yeah. It takes and, a village to subdue Merle. And it's finally ended by Beth firing a gun into the air and then having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> randomly. And again, loud. So yeah, loud, very loud in gun. that yeah. in that prison. Yeah, I I don't know, man. The, this stuff didn't really do it for me. I mean, I I understand what they were trying to do here. They wanted to create more tension. Like, is Myrtle going to get back over to there and cause trouble? Well, but it just didn't work. Like, I, I would have rather seen the entirety of Rick and the governor's conversation played out before me. Exactly. We didn't need... I mean, there was a, added a little bit of tension because, you know, Merle's a loose cannon. If he goes in there, guns blazing. Yeah. Although it makes it made me wonder if he really is working for the governor. Oh, yeah? That maybe he was supposed to be the governor's ace in the hole. But, I mean, the, the prison group is, is treating Merle like he's a puppy that they're training. Just consistent, firm. No, you can't do that. No, you can't do that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, piss in this corner. Uh, and, you know, maybe it'll work. I don't know. But every time they cut away but, from the governor and Rick, I lost interest. Also, they needed, they needed to build that back up when they came back to him. Props to Glenn, because Merle went hard at his manhood. Uh, his literal manhood? I mean, just like the <laughs> fact that you are no man. You let the oh, governor yeah, yeah. lay hands on you. You're just, what kind of pussy are you? And then he body slams him into yeah, the steps. Yeah, That must have hurt. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No kidding. He fell like... <laughs> Concrete sh- stairs. Wow. Oh, Wow. They're actually foam rubber, but still. Wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> True. Uh, we go back to outside of the farm. Where Andrew remarks she doesn't know what she's doing here, and 10 million Americans say, we don't either. 
Uh, I don't know. I kind of like this scene. Maybe, maybe it's not this one. Uh, Herschel yes. tells, yeah, okay, yes, it yeah, is. it is. It is. It is. Where Herschel tells Andrea that she'll have a place at the prison when she decides to come back. Uh, I felt like we needed this scene because Andrea has been at sometimes oblivious and at sometimes just stubborn and annoying. And this is her moment to kind of say, "Yeah, I realize I've been a shit the entire time." And I need to go back to this group. Yeah, I, I took uh, took Herschel when he said, "Then it's it'll be settled." Yeah, as kind of a two part warning. Number one, if you join our side, it's probably going to be push us to the brink of war. But number two, also, if you don't, then you've chosen the other side, and there's no hope for you. Did you get that feeling too? Yeah, definitely. Because he was serious as a heart attack in that scene. The way he played that. Yes, he was. And, I mean, he, his acting always brings something special to that role. Right. Uh, but I'm... Why didn't she go back with Rick and his group there? I don't know. That's the only time she's going to be where, able to, right? Yeah, I just feel like the only thing I can think of, and I'm really trying hard to come up with reasons to support Andrea at this part, right, is that she thinks, now that she's got this new information about Philip, the governor is that she feels like she's got a responsibility to kill him. Yeah. That she's the only one that can end it. That makes sense. But at the same time, if she does that, how is she going to get out? I Maybe mm. she thinks it's a suicide run, and yeah. that this is a price she paid for you know, choosing the wrong mm. side. I mean, it, maybe it's a, a noble thing for her. Uh, she does, thank goodness, ask what happened with Maggie here. If she hadn't said anything, I would have flipped the table. Uh, and Herschel just says the governor is not a nice man. <laughs> He's a sick dude. Yep. Uh, and she takes that in the, the right way uh, and understands what he means. Then we go back inside to the governor showing Rick his hideous eye hole, mm-hmm. uh, telling him that he wants Michonne and... The governor lets on that he's been watching Rick Which, by acknowledging it, the stash of guns that he brought back, and Rick seems surprised. And we've seen this, like, we've seen people kind of, like, you know, moving around the prison, and Rick's noticed it, and but yet mm. he's allowed them to come and go and bring this... What is his game at, man? The governor? Yeah. Like, why didn't know. he pick off Rick and Michonne and Carl? That was half of their badass right there. Yeah, and you've got... 90% of their badass right here. Yeah. Well, I guess Michonne's not there. Michonne, Michonne Mer- was. Okay, Michonne you have Merle 70% and of still their has badass. three guys. Yeah. And, you know, let's say Carol's a decent shot, too. Yeah, you got I don't know. four guys in a prison versus all the combined might of Woodbury. I just, I don't get it, man. Yeah. I was kind of disturbed by his disgusting eye hole. Uh, the, the entire scene, I was just... If I was Rick at that point, I'd just be like, look, put the fucking eye patch back on. I get your point. That's disgusting. Yeah, it's... Uh, I, thought, I thought it made him look actually more like uh, a Kiss Army. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's got that, like, perfectly star-shaped eye yeah. slit. Nice. Uh, back at the prison, Merle tries to exploit the weak link in the group by getting Michonne to go with him to take out the governor. And it does not work. Michonne is immune to his powers of seduction. Unlike he, who is not immune to her sterling personality. <laughs> Which, this is actually working on her. Like, she smiled at him. Yeah, was that an honest smile? 
that's I, 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 what I judge just that. like a yeah then, you're cute it's not working uh, well you might have a point there I don't know I have a heart I don't know I, I got it to where it was a it was an honest because because Merle say one thing about him I mean he is he's a racist what yes <laughs> you asked yes, me to say that's a thing about one him. thing to say but he's also kind of um he's kind of charming when he wants to be <gasps> unfortunately yeah yeah, it's it's one of those guys that you hate to love, right? Like you know you shouldn't. He's a terrible guy, but Michael Rooker brings so much to that character that it's fun to watch him be mm-hmm. a terrible guy. Right, right. Uh I can't say the same about the governor though, honestly. I've not had nearly as much fun watching the governor as I have Merle. Cosine, cosine. He's not done a lot with it, an iconic character. Well, I don't think the character has been very well written. I agreed. I don't think. Uh, I mean, you could you could uh, point that finger at the writers as well. I mostly do because he seems schizophrenic. He seems yeah. like half the time the writers are trying to make us think that he's not as bad as we thought. The other half, they're trying to make him look like this horrible killer. Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like this probably would have worked as a very nice, taut thirteen episode season. And yeah. blowing it out to 16 episodes has, has just gotten a lot more fluff. Yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens in the final three, but mm-hmm. so far. Um, where are we? We go back to Glenn. Yeah, Glenn's on watch. Um, Maggie comes out. Actually, before we move on, there's one thing that Michonne said here, um, that Myrtle's going to do what he wants, and if he goes over there, getting people killed is on you. Right. Uh, which is the same thing that Rick told to Daryl about Merle. Mm-hmm. So if Merle goes in there and fucks things up, it's really on Daryl, right? Yeah. I, and now that you said that, I wonder if that's a callback for us as the audience to, re, to, to know what the stakes are. Yeah. Although Daryl wasn't there. I mean, I don't know. I don't well, know if Rick would have held him to that. That's the thing. Like, Probably. He takes Daryl and leaves Merle unattended. Mm-hmm. I thought Daryl was supposed to be managing Merle. Right. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, Glenn's on watch. Maggie comes out to join him, tells him why she's been so angry lately, and they abandon their post to get it on on a storage locker floor. <laughs> I put this on Facebook, but let me let me ask you. So yeah. at what point in your life does getting does, does does fucking on a bare concrete floor become not a proposition? Because like I'm I'm thirty six <laughs> and if someone like Bring it on. Bring it on. Maggie Real like was or Laura Cohen yeah, said, Laura "Let's Cohen. get down on your uh, you know garage floor, Aaron." I just laugh. You laugh? I'd laugh? No. I'd laugh. Like, you didn't no. see her on Talking Dead. Some nice pants. She no, was no. It's 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 hard. <laughs> it's gonna be hard on my knees. It's gonna be cold on my yes, ass. It's just it will not, be cold. It's just and not hard. sexy at all. So, but on the other hand, like if I was eighteen, I could probably gotten down on a bed of nails wrapped in barbed wire. So, like, yeah. what point does that? I mean, has, the, has that switch flipped for you yet? As a thirty-one-year-old man, all I can say is no. It has no. not flipped. Not <laughs> flipped, especially not with Lauren Cohen. Are you bothered that they're not that they explicitly mentioned that they're supposed to be on watch? I am bothered by that. Yes, and they abandon watch. Yeah, to, to go get screw. down and dirty. Uh, yeah, that's the only thing that bothered me about that scene. Otherwise, a okay. And I did. I Maggie and Glenn are a cute couple. I liked it. It's yeah. really pretty basic. I mean, it's pretty hot basic cable sex. I don't think you can get yeah, yeah. hotter than that on basic cable. Yeah. Uh, and they they super needed this scene, right? They've been 
angry at each other and kind of bitter about what happened. And now they finally hashed it out. And I, I actually really liked this because it felt honest. And, you know, Glenn's like, you know, I made it about me. That was wrong. Yeah. And she's like, you know, it's not just that, but I needed you to acknowledge me and be there for me. But, you know, they still love each other. I thought it was, uh, you know, fa- fantastic written and performed scene. Yeah. And here's what Lauren Killian was talking about on the Talking Dead. Um, it wasn't just that Glenn was making it about himself. It was that Glenn was so filled with anger and rage about uh, what the governor had done to Maggie mm-hmm. that, A, he wasn't there with her, and, B, he was too much like the governor mm. for her to be around. Gotcha. He wanted her, or she wanted him to just calm down. Mm. Calm down and just see her, be with her. Yeah, that's a, that's a good Support point. And it's it's kind of like I thought that uh, I thought our female listeners did a good job on uh, kind of breaking all that down for us uh, after that episode aired. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we, let's see. Rick pries into the governor's uh, psyche by asking what he wants or why he wants Michonne instead of a statue. <laughs> uh, and he re- uh, governor redirects the conversation and offers Rick everything he wants, the boundaries and the truth. Or the truce. He says he'll be back here in two days and leaves. Uh, So, I mean, the resolution here obviously isn't much of a resolution as we find out later. And there's no no assurances. Yeah. Um, You know, and it's... It's just his word. Yeah. From an obvious liar. Right. And it's, like I said, I just felt like if Rick buys this, it's fucking ridiculous. Mm -hmm. And then when we hear... So go ahead and continue the recap. Oh, no, I was just going to... There, there's something that um, the governor says in this scene that really kind of drives home, I guess, the underlying feeling of this show, which is kind of a Western cowboy sort of show. A little bit. It's not not like Justified mm-hmm. or anything. Mm-hmm. But I, he sets the date or the time for them to meet at noon. And that, to me, high noon. Showdown at high noon. And Rick's a sheriff... You got the man in black sitting across from him at the table. I mean, it, it just very much has those themes drinking whiskey. running through it. Yeah, drinking yeah. whiskey. Uh, so it was kind of cool that they're alluding to those themes that have been there, and you can kind of feel them in the show, but I don't think we've ever explicitly talked about them. Right. Uh, and then the music also adds to that. Great music over this montage coming oh, yeah. back. Yeah, I like. Uh, it. It's the same guy who did that home song mm-hmm. from the previous episode. Wasn't he episode. on The Walking Dead as well? He was on Talking okay. Dead. Yeah, he did a very short performance. I wish they would have let him do his whole freaking song. They didn't. No, he did like a verse and a chorus. Well, it was like was an it. American Idol appearance. Wow. <laughs> Basically, yeah. And then Chris Harvick runs up. That's enough. That's enough. Yeah, we're going out. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Oh so. well, he probably does the best he can with what he's got to work with. Oh, I'm sure. But anyway, that was great music over those montages of them going back to their respective homes. Uh, when the governor gets back, he tells his goons to watch out for the prison survivors, to kill all of them, but keep Michonne alive. And when Rick gets back, he tells his group that the governor wants to kill them all and they're going to war. But so he kinda... both of them lie, because uh-huh. uh, the governor lies to Andrea. Uh, and I feel like that's kind of another theme running through this show, is trying to show how... Similar and yet different, the governor and Rick are. I mean, obviously, yeah. we know they're both kind of crazy. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but Rick has much better intentions than the governor. 
Well, and the other thing is that the, the, the real contrast is when he gets in. So they, the lie, I thought this was an interesting contrast, and I'm glad you, you brought it up. Rick lied to his people and said, we're going to war. Yeah. Whereas the governor lied to Andrea and said, they're not. Yeah. And then Rick in private with his lieutenant, Herschel, and his advisor said, you know, I'm having second thoughts. He wanted to give him a show. Maybe we should talk about this as if it's a serious fucking offer. Yeah. Whereas the governor, when he got to his trusted lieutenant, it's like, oh, yeah, we're totally going to fucking kill these people. <laughs> yeah. So it's like completely flipped. Yeah. Of their public face versus their private face. And it's, and it's not just who they're pretending to be to their goons. It's the way that they operate within those groups. Mm. Rick is, is a more knowledgeable leader and a more understanding leader. He knows that people need motivations to do things. Right. Whereas the governor just goes back and barks orders at his underlings. That's how he plays it. Well, to be fair, Rick screams and waves his gun around, too. Okay. So. But he's having a psychotic break because his wife was zombified and killed by his son. I guess. I give him that. I guess. But when he's seeing things a little more clearly, he's much more collaborative in his approach. Gotcha. Uh, and, and motivating is the thing. I don't know. We can probably move on to where Herschel and Rick are talking outside. Mm-hmm. Uh, and kind that's of already mentioned exactly, that. Yeah, that's so, exactly so, what we're talking about. Where so what are we? We're ready to. I think that's it. Move the feedback. It feels like. Yeah, yeah, we can do that. We need to do some uh, pimping of anything first. Uh, the promotions, yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, don't forget about our contest. Please check out our uh, spreadshirt uh, site at baldmove.com or baldmove.spreadshirt.com. Uh, I think the t-shirt designs are pretty sweet. Love to see what the public reaction is to that. Um, we are part of the Ball Move Network, and you can find all of our content at ballmove.com, including our coverage of The Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, uh, Mad Men, uh, Breaking Bad, our TV pod, general TV pod, uh, podcast that we're doing right now. Um, by the way, Game of Thrones coming back end of March, and the trailers are looking amazing. Mad Brew and I are going to come back the week before to break down a preview cast uh, based on what we've seen in the trailers and on the spoiler section, kind of what we're expecting to see from the book. Uh, and then the week later... Jim and I spin the Mad Men machine back up. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that because that was a fun cast last year. It was, and it's, uh, I, I say, one of the best shows on TV. I can't give it the best. Uh, I will say it's the best Breaking current Bad. TV show. Breaking on right Bad now. is so good. It's good, but it's, it's not watchable. Mad Men good. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Mad Men I think we just judge on different standards. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> well, we'll leave it at that. Okay. Uh, then why don't we go to the re- or to the feedback? Sure. We got some old feedback, just one, uh, from last week. Uh, Rachel writes in, says, I'm a few weeks behind because we're watching as we have time. So like other listeners, I was expecting a not-so-good episode for home and was pleasantly surprised. And she says that that uh, show called B-O-R-G-I-A is pronounced Borgia, like Jamaican, but with a Z in it. Like Bor- Like Jamaican? Yeah. Borgia? How's Borgia and Jamaican like anything? Ja, Jamaican, Borgia. Oh, okay. <laughs> I got you. I'm like, what okay. the fuck? Uh, and that was just in response to us not knowing how to pronounce that. Cool. New feedback. I'm slightly less ignorant. Uh, possibly the same, Rachel. I'm not sure. This one's from Cleveland. Uh, she says, hey, Jim and Aaron, best, of, best episode of the second half. Thank God. Uh, some stray observations. Seed reference. The Rick slash Governor negotiating barn 
had seed clearly displayed across one of the beams. A pretty obvious reference to the episode, uh, first episode of the season. What do you guys make of this? Uh, I did see that, but I have no clue how it Say relates that again to this episode. Now? So in the barn where they're negotiating, there's a sign up on the thing that says seed. Uh-huh. Oh, the the title of the... Actually, I'm not sure that said seed. I think that might have said feed. F-E-E-D. Right. Yeah, and that's... I. I don't remember seeing it say seed, and it would definitely be a feed silo, but it yeah. could also have seeds in it. Hell, I don't know. I'm good. not a farmer. That's what <laughs> took my dad about that. That's your answer? Not a farmer? Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, Woodbury residents, they're just like us. I don't know what that means. And I thoroughly enjoyed the Daryl Martinez pissing match. Uh, love that Milton is described the zombie apocalypse. I hope we get to hear more from his notes between the new enlightened Andrea and his long disapproving stare at the governor. At the end of the episode, Milton's definitely living to join Rick's looking to join Rick's group at the end of the season. Sorry, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> no, I actually think that he, uh, I'm guessing cause we don't have any spoilers yeah. for the second week in a row. Um, I'm guessing that it's going to come down to him and Andrea versus the governor. And Andrea is going to be the one that survives and he's going to oh. be the one that dies. And my liver is going to be the one that celebrates. <laughs> uh, she does bring up something kind of interesting about Milton in this last scene, that stare that he gives the governor, the governor obviously lies to Milton here. Very obviously. Um, and again, it's Mil- ridiculous. So when they're talking, uh, the governor tells him, says something, and he says, that is a slaughter. And he says, not on our end. We're going to have to eliminate Rick sooner or later. That way we can all live side by side. And Milton rightfully looks at him like he's a fucking idiot. Mm-hmm. Because you just said we're going to slaughter all of them so that we can live side by side? Who is we in this sentence? Well, I think he's like, uh, isn't he talking about the, I guess, the leftover survivors of the prison? <laughs> After they slaughter them. Uh, so if little baby ass kicker survives, so the, they'll are, live side so by side. They definitely said that they kill everyone and not just Rick. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, everyone except Michonne, and I don't think he wants to live side by side with mm, her. True. Very true. Okay. Hmm. I don't know. And Milton gives him this look like he's out of his mind. Yeah. And I'm glad he does. Um. And then he goes and after telling Milton exactly what they're going to do, he lies within earshot of Milton right to Andrea's face, and he says it loudly. To where, I don't even think this guy knows what he's doing anymore. He's so far off the deep end. He's just saying whatever anybody wants to hear right. with no thought for consequence. Exactly. And that's kind of what I mentioned last week is that his lies are getting worse. Yeah. And as and the other thing is I feel like he somehow flipped a switch and that he's just using people like blatantly. Like before it was this incidental, but now... You know, like, as soon as you get wise to his bullshit, he'll just kill you and find some other rube that he's taken in. Like, for example, uh, Tyrese's whole crew. Yeah. That should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, Aaron writes in, says, Hey, guys, I felt compelled to write in for three reasons. One, you both need a lesson on how to pronounce the name Aaron. Uh, It's Aaron, not Aaron. I think we know that. That's a joke. I'm, yeah. Spoiler alert, I'm also not A-Rod. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know quite a few Aaron's, so. Me uh, too. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Secondly, I love you both. There, I said it. Oh, uh, Very nice given. of you. Uh, three, I fucking love to be a hater of The Walking Dead, and I appreciate that the both of you do too. I wish I, I, wish I couldn't be a hater. I wish there was no reason for me to be a hater. Yeah, I mean, so... 
we've got this kind of weird relationship with Walking Dead. We both like the show. Yeah. I enjoy um, watching the show. We started off thinking the show was going to be one thing, mm-hmm. which was kind of season one. Season two kind of throws a curveball. Now we're kind of readjusting <laughs> to what season three is, and who the hell knows what season four is going to be. Yeah. But it's a lot of fun to cover. And mm-hmm. we, despite what you might think, we do enjoy the show. We would we would watch this show and talk about it regardless of whether we were doing a podcast. We but seriously. We would be laughing and ripping on a lot of this stuff. We seriously considered quitting after season two. After the midpoint of season two. Yeah. Because we're like, man, if it don't get any better. If it doesn't end better than this. The thing is, that's the thing. You can't ne- you can't nega cast or nega blog or whatever. It just eventually consumes you to where you're looking for problems rather than noticing them. Yeah. You know, like I still contend we are noticing flaws. I'm not really <laughs> trying hard to to look for them. We're not manufacturing them. <laughs> right, right. So, um, yeah, that's that's all I got to say on that subject. Uh, well, that's not all she has to say. She goes on, um, anyone who watches this show and believes that this is the picture of TV perfection is a blind-ass waffle. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it's funny. blind-ass waffle? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. I haven't loved to hate on a show this much since Battlestar Galactica. Uh, Oh, uh, come on. I kind of like Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> uh, I'll Up hate, until I'll, the end. I'll join the hate on I that. I know. You hated it. I, yeah, I really hated it. Like, I'm surprised yeah. at how much I hated it. That's shocking to me. With that said, I think this is a great show, but it has some laughable imperfections that I love to gripe about. Take this week's episode, for instance, Arrow on the Doorpost. Maggie and Glenn are trying to bone on the prison's veranda, and he tells her that he can't because the zombies are 200-some yards away and are growling and snarling at them through the fence. So they move inside and get it on. Fast forward to later on in the episode when Rick and company get back to the prison from their meeting with the governor and Carol, and Carl are down opening the gate. As, Car- as Carol opens the gate, there's a zombie standing literally five feet from them and staring in the other direction, totally oblivious to Carl and Carol, who are feet away and only separated by that gate fence. So why the fuck was it that ten minutes earlier in the episode, the zombies that were hundreds of yards from Maggie and Glenn were ready to eat their faces, but the zombies that were feet away from Carol and Carl could care less? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she says, overall, I mostly enjoyed the episode. Uh, I definitely felt like one of this, one of those season two talkie setup episodes. Uh, however, unlike a season two talker episode, there wasn't 20 minutes of Lori chopping cucumbers. <laughs> Instead, we had 20 minutes of Andrea giving a smashy face. <laughs> what is smashy face? Is that the version of a savage face? I think so. This, yeah. this is a cell phone message. You got auto or Savage got over, uh, auto-corrected to smashing. <laughs> it might have. <laughs> I don't know. It's in quotes. So. Mm. Uh, so season two's Lori chopping cucumbers is this season's Andrea making smashy face. <laughs> I want I want all of our listeners to send in pictures of them what they think smashy face is. <laughs> <laughs> or Photoshop Andrea, or you know, get a screen capture. I'm gonna of her. make a collage. Okay. Any listeners who send in pictures of them doing smashy face, yeah, I'm going to make a collage around Andrea in the center with big smashy face <laughs> and post it on the website. Wow. I, I'm, I'm doing that. Don't make the listeners' promises you won't fulfill, man. <laughs> I just want to see if they fulfill it. Oh, okay. If I only get two, uh, two uh, pictures, it's going to be a pretty lousy collage. Uh, anyway, moving on to Silvio, who says, This show is really testing my patience on some things. Whenever two hostile parties agree to sit down to talk in a non-post-apocalyptic world, it's because there are assurances to each other in the form of hostages, someone who vouches for each party, or a meeting in a very public place. The Godfather used the first one, 
in the wire, the latter two applied. Uh, this keeps anyone from opening fire on the other. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. But in this world, what was to keep Rick from just blowing the governor away at the first sign of his snickering ass? Or vice versa. Exactly. Good point. There are no hostages, no public, the and power no power of writing. The power of writing and plotting, and that's I don't like it when I can, you know, <laughs> like for example, in the writers' room, did anyone say why wouldn't these guys just kill each other right away? Yeah, and then they're like, okay, that's a good point. Let's work this out. But fucking, apparently, no one did that. Either that, or they were shut down. They were just said, no one's going to think about need, that. Maybe that, or just we need this to happen to get to. Something else. I mean, it's also kind of abrupt in the way it was even set up. I mean, you know, I guess they filled in halfway through the episode, but how did we get here? Why are we there? You know, what was the negotiations that took place? It's, you know, this is all Andrea's idea. When did they, because like last time I noticed, Rick wasn't much interested in, you know, what she had to say in her peace offerings, and the governor was was not either. Yeah, so we have some emails about that. I'm I'm not sure if I moved one of those to spoilers or not. Okay. Uh, but we will definitely talk about that when we get there. Uh, Graham writes in, pretty good episode. Been pretty much the calm before the storm. Uh, from good dialogue between Rick and the governor, Daryl and Martinez competing to be the bigger badass, and Milton's strange stump fetish. <laughs> Only real issue I had was Glenn and Maggie's little fun in the garage scene. It could have been way shorter and much less. To, oh, where's the fun in that? Yeah, I don't. I'm not. I'm not the. Uh, oh, le- oh, less I see. Explicit. He transposes these. It could have been much more detailed and way shorter, <laughs> or way longer. There you go. Oisin writes in. Merle said, "Your dad's head could be on a pike." Foreshadowing. Yeah, you think Rick's head's gonna end up on a pike? I don't know. No, 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 no. He's okay. not his. His no. All right. He's a star of the show. He's got the strongest character shields this side of Carl Jr. I don't even know what I would say if they killed Rick at this point. Uh, Wait, wait, wait. What is this? Wait, wait, wait. Did he just call Daryl motherfucking Dixon a pussy? Did he? Who? Who? Merle called Glenn one. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I don't. That. Martinez told him to call him. Well, I mean, so Daryl called him a douche. Martinez uh-huh. called him what? Uh, he might have called. I wrote pussy. it down. I don't know. Uh, but he asks if Zombie Kill of the Week goes to Daryl's knife throw. I just told him to shut his mouth. I, I don't know. Maybe. I think maybe Zombie Kill of the Week is going to go to Martinez. I was going to say that's that that's a baseball savage to the uh, up when against it, the silo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That was, was really nice. What about Idiot Survivor? It's got to go to Rick, right? Yeah. Right? I mean, I think our skit made that clear what we thought of that. <laughs> okay, good. We are in agreement. Um, Sully from Boston says, got to give them credit for opening the show with Rick and Governor meeting. There was no logic for Rick to agree to this, uh, but by having him just show up in one minute, we were spared a pointless Rick group debate or questionable reasoning. It happened. Deal. Yeah, that's actually not a strong... That's not a bad point either. Yeah. Like, okay, why show the boring stuff? If they had done that, we'd probably be like, oh my God, get to the point. Definitely. Although and- they did leave them awful far apart to where, you know, I think they could have made... They could have put a little few breadcrumbs using 30 seconds of last episode to make those questions go away and make it feel like, you know, everything kind of connected. Yeah, probably. Um... He goes on, if the governor's number one goal is to get Michonne, it's plausible that the governor shows uh, oh, well, shows up at the, 
the rendezvous again and does not kill Rick despite the presence of Chekhov's under-table gun. But come on, hasn't Rick seen The Godfather? It's Ambush 101. You did not let the other guy pick the location. He already did, for one. Right. Uh, I would believe that he's stupid enough to do it again. Yeah. I mean, I again, how smart, how good of a leader slash tactician do we think Rick is at this point? Not great. No. No. I think he needs to let Glenn manage the logistics and tactics. I mean, he got lucky that he, when he invaded the prison group, that number one, he had a field guide, and number two, they're in the middle of this raucous, you know, kind of celebration thing. Or were they? Yeah. Weren't they? Weren't they doing something down at the um, People Pit? The People Pit? The yeah. Screamer Pits? No, not the Screamer Pits. The, 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 uh... Talking about in the prison? No, inside the gates. I'm th- I'm, so, I I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, right. I don't. I don't actually think I got. They got lucky in that they had someone to kind of lead them. Yeah, gotcha. I was familiar with their place. Uh, Mike in Texas says, "I must come to Andrew Lincoln's defense." Oh, on his portrayal of a Georgian accent. Really? I grew up in Mississippi and live in Texas, uh, both Southern, and my wife spent her summers in Georgia for most of her youth. With this experience in mind, we both have to say, we know people who have those accents. My brother is even worse than Rick's. Are no they shit. British <laughs> It's part of living in the Deep South. Uh, my, uh, so I don't have a huge problem with Rick's accent most of the time. Uh-huh. It's when he gets really excited. Like, you know me! He, he like yeah, totally right. breaks right. his accent all over the place. You did this not more! <laughs> yeah. He's talking to Sha- it's Shane. so bad. Yeah. So bad, but it's just most fun. of the time he's fine. It's yeah. fun. Yeah, we mostly dog on him because he's a Brit trying to do a Southern American accent. Right. <laughs> uh, what would that be the equivalent for us? Because, you know, British are more... You us trying to do a British accent? <laughs> no, but because that's like, you know, I feel like they're higher class downshifting. But going to like a Deep South Georgian accent is like a, you know... Uh, mm. I'm trying to think of like, what would we... What would American know. see as, as, as doing that? I think you're going to offend anybody who you name Am it. I? Pretty much anybody, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I should probably I don't think you stop. Go I should there. slowly back up. I think you should. As a matter of fact, I'm turning off your mic. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't have that power, listeners. Mike D writes, just wanted to put my two cents into this episode. Overall, I thought it was a good episode. Not the best, but still good. Hey, it wouldn't be The Walking Dead without the bullshit of Rick drinking from the enemy, would it? Besides that, I didn't find anything else wrong with it. Besides Merle being allowed to walk around so freely. <laughs> so With all those guns. Here he is. He points out a flaw. Didn't have any other problems except for this flaw. <laughs> I love that. Uh, he'd give it a, a 7.5 out of 10. Uh, and Zombie Kill of the Week, he would either give to Martinez or possibly Andrea for the melee kills. Andrea with the knife through the eye? Nah. Martinez with a bat against the silo is better. Andrea... Or yeah. Anyway, Andrea seems to be turning around tenfold by the look of next week's episode. Like Aaron, I was one of those defending her in the first half and then stopped when the second half started. Until she visited the prison, I'm back on the Andrea train again. People are calling her stupid after this episode, but I don't see how she is. She and Herschel definitely talked about something. I thought it was obvious the way that they looked at each other before she went in the car. And when she told the governor, "Hope it works out," she was obviously distrusting of him, and the governor knows that. I know it gets annoying watching her want to protect all of those people, but it was also annoying when Dale did too. <laughs> and we all love to see Dale die as well. <laughs> to me, it's a theme that you obviously can't have that mentality, and she does until e- next episode, possibly. 
I think this is when some of the fans will enjoy your character a lot more. Hmm. Uh, sorry for minor spoilers there, but, you know, she's obviously had a change of heart at this point. <laughs> Just, we're waiting to see how it pays, pays out. Yep. Plays out. Tom from Melbourne. What's up, guys? Here's my feedback for this week. Uh, I'd really describe this week as a solid, quote-unquote, episode. Uh, one gripe about the premise, however, Andrea said she set this meeting up. I don't recall her doing that in episode 11 at the prison outside saying, you need to talk this out. Uh, yeah, we kind of talked about that already. Um, seeing the Rick and the governor suss each other out with bullshit was entertaining enough, but what really did it for me was seeing the supporting players from each side interact. Daryl and Martinez becoming frenemies and trying to one-up each other was a high point of the episode with my vote for Zombie Kill of the Week going to Martinez Metal Sandwich. I like that. Metal Sandwich. Do you think... Uh, I- how could it? I don't know. I keep on thinking, how could this play out better? I just feel like with all the hidden guns and kind of tricks and stuff that was going on, that once they sat down at a table, it just felt like the governor had his way, and and yeah. it just felt contrived in the sense that I really feel in the real world someone would have left that room dead. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, and I I would say, if it weren't for the very last scene that Rick actually did get a lot out of that. Like, he now understands where the governor's coming from, but then he says, what if? Mm-hmm. What if this is not a trick? Mm-hmm. Could we end it all right now? Yeah. But that's He's impossible. That's really dumb. Yeah. But at the, at the same time, I see how he really wants that to be true. I understand he that, too. He desperately wants to just go back to how it was. So do you think this will be... That this, this is obviously... I don't think this is a spoiler to say that there's probably going to be some more people die in the climactic <laughs> battle. Yep. Milton he, being one of them? Hopefully, <laughs> says my liver. He survived another episode. <laughs> if, but yeah, but the writing's on the wall for that fucker now. <laughs> meanie, meanie, tackle parson. Yeah, Morgan uh, put it there. I think that... Oh, shit, you just derailed me, man. <laughs> Sorry. Damn it, what was I saying? So I was talking about how. Oh Rick no! So I don't think yeah. Okay. It's like do you, so okay because we've always said you know where when is Rick going to have to turn into hard boiled badass and never look back? Yeah, yeah. We thought that was at the end of you know the the mid season finale last then year. He went crazy, and then at the dictatorship, and then he went crazy. Do you think this moment of this? And it, it's hard to argue that this is not a moment of weakness. So we got I got some takes on Facebook that I want to read on at the end of yours. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this will be the last moment of weakness? People are going to die in this prison raid, and then, then finally, we'll get a no compromise strong leader I, Rick. I don't know what what does a no compromise strong leader Rick entail. I mean, is that the governor? Like is that going what we want to see Rick go, be like just going into the governor and just shooting him in the head. Yeah, like yeah, just you might. Doing what you, needs there's to be there's done. a slight chance you could be good and you could avoid this out bloodshed uh, blo- without bloodshed, but there's a hundred percent chance I can splatter your brains on a wall right now. That's Shane uh, from season one. Honestly, I mean, there was a lot of that in Shane, and, and I liked that. There was a lot we liked. I mean, yeah, we talked about Shane in this kind of dual he, role. Yeah, as antagonist, he's and a sociopathic rapist, but he had getting a little done. bit of that survivor edge, where it's yeah. like my tribe is. And and my family, even above my tribe, is is the most important thing. And, and I think once he saw what became of Shane and what he had to do to Shane, that kind of sucked that part out of him a little bit more. Well, the other argument is he if doesn't want to go one hundred percent Shane mode. There's got to be some kind of blend. 
Yeah. You got to be able to trust enough people to tr- you got to trust your instincts that you're going to have good people and those instincts have to be right because if you don't trust anyone your group is just going to get smaller and smaller and smaller until you're all dead. You got to pick yeah, the right yeah. people and treat them right with the right amount of respect and toughness and leadership and I want to see kind of, you know, I want to see the evolution take place. Well, I think we've got We've seen that in this group, right? Now we've got this group of people who all trust each other. Right. Rick's just lending too much trust to this guy who is obviously untrustworthy. Yeah. And I I feel like the sentiment there is right. Like, I don't want to do these horrible things. Um, They need to be done. But what if? Uh, But we just know too much about the governor being an asshole. (laughs) Hmm. If it was somebody who maybe they had played as not necessarily being a straight-up liar and bastard all the time, uh, maybe we could. Like, maybe if they've gone a little bit more in the direction of, maybe the governor's not such a bad guy. Uh, no, I, maybe that would ta- make the coin toss a little bit more fair. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that they um, they gave too many hints of his villainous nature in the first half of the season. You think so? Yeah, and we've had enough dead space in this half. Because remember how action-packed last season was. Last season? Not, uh, the, the, the first Jesus half. Christ, yeah, yeah, the first 3. half. 0. Yeah, definitely. And we were talking like, man, what a breakneck pace. And I even yeah. said, I think maybe in the spoiler section, like, I'm really worried that they're burning through a lot of this plot fast. Yeah. What if they had saved, like, the National Guard thing for this half of the season? Yeah. So that, now he's stockpiling, too, but he's not going back and, and you know, taking these... And that from a, solves a lot of problems save, with Andrea, too. And it, it also... It, think about how but much nicer a contrast that would be. The governor yeah. ambushes and kills these soldiers for his weapon. Rick goes back, tries to save his friend. Yeah. And, and walks away with the weapons peaceably. Yeah. So it's like, that, that would have been be a good. cool thing, and we would have been more on the fence, and it would have been, I think, almost kind of cooler to have the governor have this switch thrown when the the you know yeah it's we'd hard have been to say more ambivalent maybe they're afraid to be too ambivalent that we'd be like wow yeah. man team rick so like i said it's hard to fault the first half of the season but maybe they should have saved some of those beats those really you could almost beats. play rick like he's in the governor's role like he's the crazy one who's yeah. kind of bloodthirsty right and then and then switch Which, it on him. And I liked how they did that with Shyamalan like, our asses i liked how they <laughs> did that with because they did do that tyrese's group yeah yeah. So anyway, all right. Moving on. Rob says I was pretty let down by Rick and the governor's confrontation. The way they cut back and forth between the two of them, the prison, and the others outside the building made it hard to stay focused on the intensity of the scene. Yeah, totally Agreed. agree, Rob. Um, I wish they would have given those two a solid fifteen-minute scene together instead of cutting it up like they did. Um, also, he's starting to question the casting of David Morrissey as the governor as of late. Yep. Um, I don't know. I question the writing of the governor. I think David Morrissey could pull it off, given uh, a better written character. He could be better written, but on the other hand, he also could do a better job with what he's given, I think. He's so, had some nice beats here and there, but... Interesting fact about the, that scene. Uh, Morrissey and Lincoln both said that they did not rehearse that scene, and I think it shows. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I think maybe that's why they had to cut it up. We didn't rehearse this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I just they sit down and it feels they they said, oh, we were just kind of we sat down in character and we just felt each other out through there, and it feels like that's what happened. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
Alex L says, Hey dudes. So the Har- the Harley that Daryl drives is extremely loud and can be easily heard a quarter mile away. It has always bothered me that no one on the show has addressed it. Uh, wanted to know your thoughts. Yes, that is something that we have talked about before. Yeah. Daryl rolls down the street like he's on a motor or on a tricycle when he's actually on the loudest vehicle on the planet. Yeah. And also, like, that's kind of a liability as well because what happens if he just runs off the road and dies? I mean, the, the mo- <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a motorcyclist. Yeah. I love them myself. I don't sure. I mean, I go back and forth, but, you know, on the one hand, uh, they're going to do a bang-up job moving around all these random uh, traffic jams, uh, post-apocalyptic traffic jams we see in Georgia. <laughs> but on the other hand... Yep. You know, I guess it was a decent scout vehicle, except for the fact that, yeah, you can hear it coming from a mile away. Yeah. So Now, there's there's nothing good about that vehicle except for how badass it makes him look. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the only thing. Um, the other thing that uh, Alex says or asks is, also, now that Axel is dead, I was hoping you would let us know what his character was like in the comics. Do you have any insight there? Do you want to reveal that, or do you want to keep that for people who want to read the comics? Um, honestly, can we move that to spoilers? Uh, yeah, I guess. Okay. But I, honestly, I don't have a real strong impression of his character in the comics either. Oh, okay. I was under the impression that you had read through that part. I have. I've read. I'm I'm current on The Walking Dead now. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, there's certainly saying, events that, six, that happened that, with him that, that are six, crazy. That was sixty some issues ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, but but you still remember some of the crazy events that happened with him, right? And there was some weird stuff that went on. Really? I, okay. If, keep... if you can remember by the time we get to spoilers, we'll I'll tell you what. It. I will. I between the spoilers section, okay. I will hit up the Walking Dead wiki and see if it jogs my memory. Cool. Ruben from Boston says, "I think you guys need another Fiesta cast for the day that Andrea finally dies." <laughs> Sorry, that was a one-time deal. Lori was uh, a really bad offender. Yeah, and you know she's got the you know it was the Lifetime Achievement Award. She had been <laughs> yeah. you know irritating us for a long fucking time. Uh, he does say, in lieu of that, I hope you guys do some lip service on your upcoming podcast uh, about how irredeemably bad she has become. I think we're both kind of leaning towards the other direction. She She's on Team Rick again. She's been redeemed. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not... I don't really particularly care for it at this point, but they could turn. I mean, she, yeah, it she went, hasn't pissed it me off long, as bad right? as last year. So no, it was another Sophia situation. Yeah, where it just went on a little too long. Yeah, yeah. I, I said like you know I'll give her two or three episodes after the break coming back, and they took way too many. In fact, still ongoing. Yeah. Uh, Nick M from Illinois says, "Hey guys, this week's episode was very entertaining. I was left with two big questions, and maybe you guys can talk about it on your show." Uh, one of those questions I moved to spoilers because it was spoilerific. All right. Uh, the other one is, how did the governor know about Rick's guns and ammo run? Like I said, I mean, that, I think they've established the fact that he, the prison is being watched. Yes. Right? And someone was certainly following them, apparently. Um, Staffa writes in with a quick remark. Friend of the show, Staffa. I love the bonding moment between Rick and the governor when they both agree that Andrea is worthless. <laughs> <laughs> that was a they, nice they moment. totally just dismiss her out of hand it's yep. hilarious it's very bromo uh, Evan C from Houston says apparently he sent two emails and got them all read uh, it's too late says the governor it was already in the glass not in the jar <laughs> Rick dies at the table as Philip reveals that his last name is actually a uh, spoiler 
that I'm not going to drop on people. Is it justified spoiler? Yes. All right. On that note, I'd love to see Raylan Givens and the rest of Harlan County thrown into the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> most of them would have. Most of them have lost more of their humanity in the real world than the survivors on The Walking Dead. <laughs> the possibilities would be endless. God, oh, I would love to see Raylan. Boyd as the governor. <laughs> Walton oh. Goggins as the governor. Incredible. Oh, fuck. Why didn't they do that? Incredible. That would have been fantastic. He can't do two series at once. No, he can't, but unfortunately. But God, he would have rocked that so hard. Yeah, he would. People Ooh. who have not seen Justified, go watch Justified. I'm getting it's a really good. Boydner, Boyd boner, just thinking about it. <laughs> Amy Baker says, someone's probably already written in about this, but I'm pretty sure Morgan's board that said clear uh, and his saying he needed to clear meant clear out the walkers that were stuck in his traps. He seemed to have uh, oh. he seemed to have different sections color-coded, too. Uh, that could be true. I, oh, yeah. I didn't go back and look at the map that was on the wall, but he may have had different colors. Because I know clear was written in a whole bunch of colors. Yeah, like this is my... Yeah, this is yeah. my job, new mission in life. Also, Rick's accent was so bad this episode yep. that every time he said Carl, it sounded like curl. Curl. <laughs> curl. Virginia D says, no, Morgan was not from the same area slash town that Rick was. Uh, in the first episode, Rick recognizes the house that he wakes up in and tells Morgan this is so-and-so's house. Uh, she can't remember the names. Anyway, Morgan said that he never knows them or that he never knew them. The house was empty when he found it. Uh, in that episode, it comes out that Morgan, wife, and Dwayne were passing through on their way to Atlanta when Morgan's wife was bitten and feverish and ultimately died. Morgan couldn't bring himself to move on to Atlanta at that point. Yep. So, good stuff. Uh, thank you for correcting us. Thaisa says, just listened to your last podcast. Thought I might share my thoughts about Morgan being a native of King County. I don't think he is. And the pilot he found, yeah, the same thing. Never mind. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry Thaisa, but I... Uh, can't read the rest of that sean w says the moral uncertainty highlighted by the backpacker scenario reminded me of these moral dilemma thought experiments put forth by mark hauser sounds german each variation centered around the imminent death of an individual by a train or trolley the experimentee was supposed to decide whether they would intervene or not each decision harboring another set of fate fatal consequences it presents it's pretty interesting, and I think it directly applies to how we feel about the scene in Clear. I remember it from a Richard Dawkins book. In it, he outlines why we feel this way biologically as an argument for evolution. Perhaps the show is being a little more sophisticated than we think by playing with our perspective on this as an audience versus what we may, in fact, do in the zombie apocalypse. Hmm. I don't know for sure, but anyhow, here are some sources on the subject, and he gives a couple of links. Um... <laughs> And he want to give jokingly them. says, by the way, the websites are pretty slick, don't you think? Because they all look like GeoCity sites. Yeah. Well, a lot yeah. of that stuff, like, you know, I guess you would say, um, um, what do you, what do you, what do you, what's the learned word for like professors in a university? Academic. A lot of like academic mm-hmm. stuff is got that like old, old school feel. A lot of academic stuff feels old school. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. like, you know, kind of like essays and whatnot. Well, we, the world hasn't really done any thinking since like 1800s. <laughs> <laughs> We've done too much reality television, not enough thinking. <laughs> uh, We've we produced too many episodes of The Walking Dead. Yeah, not enough Mad Men and Jersey Shore. Yeah, Michelle. Hey guys, I'm 14. How minutes would into the cast the of Jersey Shore survive? No. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> 
probably pretty well. They'd just be boozed up past The out. zombies wouldn't be able to tell the difference. Yeah. They would just ignore them. Who? What is this orange meatball walking around? <laughs> it's obviously not human flesh. It's made out of sherbet. <laughs> I'm 14 minutes into the podcast. Had to put iTunes on pause to bring up a point that I've heard brought up this week on a couple of other Walking Dead podcasts. Um, now, we know that Rick is supposed, to be, is supposed to work in a fictional King County, presumably just outside of Atlanta. Some astute listeners commented in the other podcast that, how does Rick not know about the prison in, general, in the general vicinity? I, yeah. Especially as he is the sheriff of the police force in all of King County. Wouldn't Didn't I he say know? that too? <laughs> yeah, I think he did. <laughs> Uh, another listener pointed out on Jason and Karen's Walking Dead cast that Rick and Morgan had also already emptied out the police station's armory in the series pilot, which feels like eons ago, so there would be no weapons cache for Rick to rely upon. And apparently he forgot that. Well, maybe there's two stashes? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. She says she'd have to watch uh, episode one again to make yeah. sure that's accurate because she can't remember. And neither can we. Kind of a pretty big fuck up if they did fuck that up. Yeah, no kidding. That's it. That was the last of the emails. Do some outro stuff? Uh, no, I actually that? want to read two from Facebook. One okay. from Jason Schenkel of the Nattercast said, This is just pathetic. It's one thing to find yourself trapped on a farm for a whole season because you can only afford one location, but Rick versus the governor could have been so much better with what they had. This is what happens when you switch showrunners too often. I'm not scared of the governor, and I don't understand why no one will kill him. His leadership is based on charisma, not deep personal loyalty. No one will avenge him, and no one in Woodbury seems interested in fighting to the last man. All true. Rick needs to get the upper hand here. He's right. The governor's personal sense of vendetta is his weakness, so use it. The play here is to ride up on Woodbury with one of those Blues Brothers loudspeaker cars shouting, Neutralize the governor, and we can live together in peace. We're on the same side. There's nothing worth fighting over. There's plenty of room for everyone. Um... Anyone who wants to help us clear out the prison gets dibs on the best bunks for when the next hurricane hits. He's made a joke about, since we've been riffing on the Georgian winters, he's yeah. going on to Georgian hurricanes. Nice. Uh, there's room for like 2,000 people in there. No reason for anyone to be a douche nozzle about this. We'll turn Rick over to you, and you turn the governor over to us. That's the plan. Um, what do you think about that? So they're going to swap leaders? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, I mean, they kind of... Uh, didn't we have a user last or a couple weeks ago saying that they should do that, that they should depose Rick and the governor and then have a new triumvirate of, uh, wasn't it Herschel, Daryl, and Glenn as the okay. r- new rulers? Yeah. So uh, Philip Z said, I have a much different take on the fir- final scene between Rick and Herschel. I think it's a continuation of the previous scenes that we've seen after Lori's death where Herschel has reached out to Rick asking him to share the burden that he's taken on as leader of the group. Hmm. Rick is facing one of the most difficult and dangerous decisions to date by going to war against a bigger, albeit, albeit less competent force, and he has to weigh, it has to weigh heavily on his mind. Herschel's already said that he thinks they should go on the road, even though one of his reasons they're staying in the prison is because he's not as mobile as he used to be, but will stand with Rick in the group. He's also the central spiritual character in the show, and as the only other parent in the group, Rick probably sees him as having the most to lose if he makes the wrong decisions. If anyone has the moral authority to challenge the wisdom of Rick's decision, it's Herschel. What Rick was really asking for is a is for Rick to make the best argument, or I'm sorry, what Rick was really asking for is a Herschel to make the best argument that he can that Rick should sacrifice Michonne mm-hmm. for the good of the group, and if not, give Rick almost a sort of absolution for making the decision to set them on the path to war. You so like Rick that? doesn't want to make the decision by himself, or he wants He's seeking uh, 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Like, this is your family. Your daughter's here, too. Should we give up this person? And if not, will you then forgive me and wash my hands of what comes next? Yeah, and I mean, that kind of also goes along the lines of taking Merle in and telling Daryl, look, this is your thing. If this goes wrong, I'm not taking responsibility. He kind of wants to get off the hook a little bit. Uh, finally, Brad D. said, did anyone else notice the symbolism with the glasses of whiskey? Once Rick fishes his, finishes his, he turns, turns the glass upside down, meaning he wants to fight anyone who wishes to challenge him. Is that a thing? Uh, I feel like it is. Oh, you just said that, like, I thought it's like, oh, you knew what was going on here. No, no, no. I, I saw the glass upside down, and I what I thought is, because I didn't see the first time, uh, I didn't watch him drink it. Does that mean Mary? Writing notes. Does that mean Marion in the first Indiana Jones wanted to fight that Himalayan dude? Because she was so. mad turning yeah. those glasses upside down. Yeah, yeah she and was. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I've never heard of it, but I feel like it could be a thing. Okay. That it. Yes. All right. Hit us with an outro. If you want to give us more feedback, even more feedback, do oh, so gosh. at watchingdeadatballmove.com, or you can like me and follow on our weekly show thread for all of our tv that we do on facebook.com slash bald move you can follow jim at twitter uh or twitter.com at bald move and that's it you know i actually Pretty did forget it. a no couple emails things, no no, no. no. Uh, itunes itunes reviews please yeah, give us go. we need we need more itunes reviews we need uh people to use the amazon affiliate link at amazon.baldmove.com both those things are huge in supporting our cast one helps pay the bills and one helps grow the show And if you would like to be a part of that happening, please do those things. Okay. And that's it. Uh, We will see you guys. Very light spoilers. So if, if, you know, if you're caught up on the comics and all that, you're, you're, you can, you can survive the uh, spoiler music. Yeah. So we will see you after the spoilers. If you care to stay tuned for those. And if not until next time, I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. back with the spoiler section we're not going to run the clip for next week we've decided it's pointless and lame uh, it's actually getting to be a pain to find those things man because like usually you go oh, to is U- it yeah i don't know why amc's website doesn't have it i should be able to go there and look at hmm. the 20 second promo but i have to go to amazon uh, uh youtube and half the time it's been this content's been taken down at request of the copyright holders and uh, it's like bullshit why do you take down an ad right we're trying to spread your ad around the internet yeah <laughs> Who gives a shit? And again, I, I guess if it was heard. on AMC, I could understand. But all right, wow. Uh, I'm reading the spoiler mess- emails. Yeah, okay. Bring it. S- uh, Kyle Sweet from Australia says, "I'm pretty new to your podcast. Uh, I picked it up after season three, episode nine, The Suicide King." Uh, he really enjoys the depth. We talk about the episode. But he has a question. We all know that Carl has that chance of when he grows up of turning into the governor or a worse. Uh, version and now in the comic, Carl's also missing his eye and wears a patch. Do you think Kirkman did this on purpose? Oh, I didn't know that Carl was missing an eye and had a patch. How did that happen? He gets his eye shot out. Shot and, out? Yeah. So how like, do you get your eye shot out without dying? 
Um, so they make it seem as if the bullet entered here and then kind of came out like here. So just it went like around his just, skull. Yeah, miss, it went through his sinuses and all that stuff. There's not a lot of brain there. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's a gruesome, gruesome injury. Ouch. And, of course, he almost died. It's kind of a miracle he didn't. But, yeah, now that he mentions it. That yeah, is, I like that. You know, is this the rise of the governor part two? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, I don't know, because Kirkman has been on record as saying that this is ultimately Carl's story. So what do we know about Kirkman? He seems to be a, ped- a peddler of misery. <laughs> yeah. So I could see him, it'd be, you know, uh, is this like a Luke Skywalker? Is this a Star Wars thing where we've got the rise of the Chosen One, which is Carl, and then later some callow youth uh, that turns out Carl fathered? Will overthrow him as Rick, as the Emperor, cackles on? I don't know. Wow. Uh, if Carl ends up shooting lightning from his hands, I'm out. <laughs> That's it. I'm done. What if Rick shoots lightning into Carl? Okay. I can you deal can, with you that. Can, you can get down to that? Yep. Okay. Um, Osen or Oisen? I call it Oisen. Oisen D says, what if Morgan tries to find the prison to get to Rick but stumbles upon Woodbury? He tells the governor about Rick and that they are friends. The governor cuts off Morgan's head instead of Tyrese's. He had known that Rick mm. knows him and that Rick cares about him. Also, the guy who plays Morgan is scheduled to be in episode 16. Oh, fuck. Boom, Lenny James coming back. Oh, fuck. If yeah. that's not a flashback, then I could very well see, well see that. Yeah. The governor's striding in with uh, Morgan's head. Looking for this. Wow. Send Rick back over the edge and have him... Give up his position. Yeah, that could be the uh, pre-credits uh, action sequence. Wow. Uh, I've wow. got a spoiler for your liver, too. Oh? Poindexter's in the last one. <laughs> I don't know if he lives. Liver's on DEFCON but 5. But he makes it to 16. You can't so. hear about my liver just flipped over my belt. Uh, <laughs> like a, much like a baby. It just flipped. It just turned. <laughs> it's in the breach position. Oh, <laughs> uh, Yep. Tom has some spoiler speculation for us. Uh, the original title for next week's episode was Killer Within Part 2. Is that true? I don't know. After seeing next week's promo, I can only imagine that this is referring to Woodbury and not the prison. There seems to be a lot happening at Woodbury next episode, and and- Andrea and Milton seem to be in the thick of it. They're now yeah. clear about where they stand against the governor, and Andrea feels that she should kill him. About freaking time. There's talk of a deserter in the plot summary for the next episode, and I think it's most likely that uh, for Tyrese's group. There's a brief clip of him grabbing Alan in the promo with a face saying, get a hold of yourself, and Andrew's warning could lead one of them to leave. In sneak peek number two, we see the governor walking through a room with a chair in the middle and a bunch of surgical equipment surrounding it. I'm very worried that one of Tyrese's group will end up in that chair. Three episodes left. I've not seen that. Yeah, no, that chair, that chair is fucked. Mm-hmm. Like uh, saw level fucked? Hostile level of fucked? Hostile level fucked. Wow. Um... So you didn't see the preview for next week, did you? No, I haven't. All right. So a listener sent... This is going to get graphic, people. Uh, A listener sent in an email with a screenshot from that scene of that chair. Uh Next to the chair, there's a little table, uh, like you'd see in a surgical uh, operating room or something. Uh Um, There's a giant syringe. And I, I don't know what happens with Michonne in the comics, but I have a feeling it's fucked up. Because there's also a speculum next to the syringe. Really? Yes. 
Now, I know that AMC will not go there. <laughs> no, gynecological porn? <laughs> yes. Or torture porn? They will not go there. Where does that go in the comics? Is that... Oh, I thought you were going to ask me where's the spectrum No, go. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> does it go... No, far, not as that crazy far. as I think it's going. I mean, they actually go much further in showing what happens to the governor. Like with the all thing of his ass what they, all what they do to Michonne happens off screen with screams and grunts and like Glenn's facial expression of like you can oh, imagine okay. what he's doing to her in the next room. Yeah, so I thought that was kind of creepy. Uh, that that's on the table next to him. So I am really uh, interested to see what they do with the next episode. <laughs> 